morning. As always, it is a blessing to be together as the family of God every first day of the week. Amen? i tell you what, it's always good to see your shining face, the smiling faces, and occasionally the honor, too, to remind me, yes, we get a nap today, but hey, we're going to move on from that. Thanks for being here today. Just a joy to be with the family of God, and if you're a guest with us, hey, I am so excited that you're here. Thanks for joining us and being a part of our assembly this morning, and our hope, of course, would be if you're looking for a church home, man, we'd love to have you as part of our Crosspoint family. We've all made a decision to surrender to God uh, who we are. We want to be a part of God's story. We're saying, God, use us in your story how you see fit, uh, and so we invite you into that story as well to help tell that story uh, with us. It is a, a pleasure and a blessing to be a part of God's kingdom. Amen. It is a joy to be with you this morning. Well, we're going to be in uh, 1 John chapters 1 and 2 this morning. I hope you've got your Bibles and will turn with me there. We'll be there in just a few moments. Uh, There'll be some things you might want to mark in the margin of your Bible as we uh, continue our journey through this letter that the Apostle John wrote in some 95 AD maybe to combat uh, some false teaching that was going on in the church about Jesus Christ and what it meant for the church to, to journey together in this thing called life. Uh, you and I get to read that today in this postmodern culture, and it still applies to us. It's still uh, very necessary for us to understand what does it mean, as we did the first week, to, to journey in the light, to live in the light, because God is light. What does it mean to, to stay on the path, as we did last week? And today we're going to dig into the idea that we're called to live in the light, to stay on the path together. We're to do that as a a family, as a group of people, not isolated, not on our own, not trying to figure it out by ourselves, but to stay on the path that God has given us through his son, Jesus Christ. Now, I don't know how many of you here enjoy being in the outdoors, out in nature, maybe hiking. Anybody like that at all? Some of us do in here. Uh, I like going out for a little bit, but coming back to the the AC, that's important. Uh, Maybe getting some ice cream on the way home. I don't know about you. But uh, there's a place about five miles from here. It's called Cedar Ridge Preserve, and maybe you've been out there before. It's a great place where there's a lot of hiking trails. Uh, a lot of runners go out there to run uh, kind of cross-country theme, if you will. Uh, there's some short trails. There's some longer trails, but it's a great place to be out in nature. I don't know if you can see it on this one slide, this picture I took at the very bottom. The sign's kind of hard to read, but at the very bottom it says, Stay on obvious paths or marked trails. So the, the issue there is that we're called to stay on the paths that have been laid out for us while we're out there at the, uh, the nature preserve. There's lots of things that may go wrong in the course of your day if you don't stay on the marked paths because the next sign says this, that there's a lot of snakes out there. I don't know about you. At the very bottom, it says non-poisonous species are present as well. For me, the only good snake is a dead snake. Anybody with me on that? I mean, I'm staying on the path. I'm staying on the trail. Because spiritually speaking, Satan wants to get a hold of you as well, and he wants you off the path, and when you're off the path, that's when he gets to come into play. Matter of fact, the apostle Peter, who worked alongside John, one of the first uh, disciples, he writes in 1 John chapter 5 and verse 8 that Satan, your enemy, is like a roaring lion who is wandering around waiting for whom he might devour. He is waiting to pounce on you, and he wants nothing more than for, for you to be isolated, For you to get off the path that God's laid out for you and I, for you and I to get away from this family of believers or whatever family of believers you might find yourself in, but he wants you off the path by yourself out of the light in the darkness because that's when he's going to attack. And so you and I are called through John's letter, what does it look like then if I'm supposed to stay in the light, stay on the path, 
and stay on the path together as the family of God? What does that look like? And over the course of our time together this morning, I want to give you five different ideas, metaphorically speaking, uh, that uh, have to do with our journey together as we begin to look at and see how John has called us to live as people of God. What does it mean to journey in the light and to stay on the path? And the first thing I want to give you is that we never walk alone, that we journey together, that Satan wants nothing more than for you to be by yourself, trying to surmount all that life is going to throw at you on your own, without God, without leaning on the Holy Spirit, without leaning on your spiritual family that you find yourself uh, in the middle of this morning. There are lots of ways that Satan wants to get us alone, but John is reminding us we need to stay together. Take a look at chapter 1, at 1 John chapter 1, verse uh, 3, beginning. John says, We proclaim to you what we ourselves have actually seen and heard, so that you may have fellowship with us. And our fellowship is with the Father and his Son, Jesus Christ. And then bump over to verse 6, where John says, So we are lying if we say we have fellowship with God, but go on living in spiritual darkness. We are not practicing the truth, but if we are living in the light, as God is in the light, then we have fellowship with each other, and the blood of Jesus, his Son, cleanses us from all sin. In three verses, John uses this word fellowship to remind us that when we live in the light, when we stay on the path and stay on the path together, we've got fellowship with God Almighty through his Son, but also fellowship one with another in the process. Now, that word fellowship is not a typical postmodern word that you hear every day around the office. Uh, It's not a word that we use pretty consistently. It's a a kind of a churchy word, if you will. And I think over time, maybe it's lost its punch. It's lost actually what it truly means to have fellowship, not only with God, but with one another in the process. Our schedules have become so busy that we tend to not have time for real fellowship. Kale's going to help me with an illustration this morning uh, as we look at how something right out here in our own commons might unfold in the course of any given Sunday morning. Hey, Kale, how you doing? Oh, hey, Tim. How's it going? Man, it's good to see you. I saw some pictures of your two-year-old had a birthday not too long ago. Yeah, yeah. Cool. How'd that turn out? Lots of donuts, lots of cake, you know, big sugar high, really. Okay. I'm sure the beatings began. You had to put somebody to bed. Something probably happened like that. Um, we went to the game last night. Were you able to catch the game? Yeah, it was pretty exciting. Do you enjoy it? Any rain? Well, it was exciting the first quarter, the first uh, inning, rather. We, we left after, after that. Big baseball fan. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Ready for football? Yeah. Yeah. Um, you got uh, vacation plans this summer, yeah, maybe? Yeah, we're going to go on a trip. How about yourself? Okay, yeah. We're, we're headed out that way, too. We're going to maybe go to Colorado and see a few oh, things. But nice. uh, I've got to get over and see somebody else. Yeah. But good to see you this yeah. morning. Take care. Now, that might happen any Sunday morning, right? And they did that first service, too. Give it up for Kale. And the Oscar goes, to. But yeah, any given Sunday morning out in the commons, we might call that fellowship. And while that is good, that's not fellowship. That's just kind of brushing shoulders with each other, checking the calendar against the other calendar, and moving on about life. I did get to talk to my friend, but that's not real fellowship, not what John's talking about. The, the word he uses here, the Greek word you've heard before, it's koinonia. And, and it means fellowship, it means communion, it means a partnership. That 
like family, we're in this thing together. We're not going anywhere. We live life together. That it's more than just a brush on a Sunday morning, but we're going to go to dinner together. We're going to hang out. We're going to talk about each other's families. We're going to help each other raise one another's kiddos. And despite our differences, like your real family, we're still going to choose to get along. You might comb your hair differently. You might wear clothing that I'm not okay with. Uh, You might root for a different team. John says it doesn't matter that you and I are going to be locked in, that we've got this partnership because together we're going to live in the light and we're going to stay on the path together. That, That no matter how you might rub me the wrong way, that I still love you because you too are a son or a daughter of the Most High King. You're part of the family. And so we have fellowship one with another. Now, we talk about becoming a member here at Cross Point, and maybe you've heard that in your growing up years at a church that you grew up. And maybe somewhere along the way you think, well, that's kind of like a, a social club, right? We become a member of a church, and then we're kind of in like Flynn, and, and we're in the church directory, and, and we've got a place that we call home, but we're not super involved. And that's not what placing membership really means. It means you're going to become a part of a family. And because of that, you get super involved in ministry, super involved in what the church is doing. You're an integral member that we can't live without. That's what not walking alone really means. Look back at verse 3. John says, We proclaim to you what, what we ourselves have actually seen and heard so that you may have fellowship with us. And our fellowship is with the Father and the Son, Jesus Christ. And so we're reminded through John that Having fellowship is deep. It's intimate. It's this idea that I'm not walking alone. I'm with you guys on the journey, and you're not going to let me fail or fall. That I've got deep fellowship with Jesus Christ. That we talk to one another. We pray together to God the Father. We're in this thing not alone. But in our society, so many people shrug off the idea that I need any help. I really don't need any help. I mean, let's face it, I I can drive down the road in my car by myself to work, listening to Christian radio, and I can sing along with Chris Tomlin, and that's worship. Or I really don't need connect group. I don't need to get in a room of 12 to 15 people and dig into the Word of God, because I can can dig into this at my coffee table, and it's fine. I mean, one-on-one, I can do it myself. I really don't need anybody else. I can take care of things on my own. I mean, after all, uh, weekends are mine. And so I, I enjoy going fishing out on the lake, and I do that by myself. And that, when I'm in nature like that, that's, that's when I worship. And while all of that is absolutely true, John reminds us that if we're going to journey and be disciples of Jesus Christ, that we do it together, that we have fellowship one with another because of what Jesus Christ has done for us. So many times... Over life, I've seen folks who have tripped and fallen down. and They've got no one around them to help pull them back up. Over the last 10 or 15 years of ministry, I've heard this idea that yes to Jesus, but no to the church. I love Jesus, but I'm not sure about that group of people. I can do this on my own. And then John says in verse 4, He says, we're writing these things so that you may fully share our joy. You see, there's great joy in being with you. There's great joy 
in being in a relationship with Jesus Christ. Is there not? It is a joy and blessed life that we live because we get to journey together glorifying God through his son Jesus Christ in everything about life that comes our way. We have true joy. We do life together. Now, since I've been here, I've done a lot of funerals, and we've said goodbye to a lot of friends and family along the way who've gone on to get their reward in heaven. Recently, we said, we said goodbye to Cynthia Waters, and we've walked and journeyed with Leighton and his family in that process. Leighton showed me a picture on his phone. This is his dining room table. These are all the cards and letters that this church and family and friends wrote to encourage him in his loss. You see, this is what fellowship is about. It's, it's us saying, you're not going to ever do anything alone. I'm going to be with you all the time. And I hope that when I get to that point, you'll be with me. Whether it's a joyful, rejoicing moment or a sorrow-laden moment, we're doing life together, and that's what John is calling the church to here in this idea of koinonia, fellowship, we're in partnership, communion, together. John also reminds us that we always need to walk during the day, not during night, but that we're called to walk during the day because light, you see, provides the safety that darkness cannot provide. Only God provides that safe net that we need. And John says in chapter 1 and verse 5 beginning, this is the message that we heard from Jesus and now declare to, your, to, you, to you, God is light and there is no darkness in him at all. If you've got your own Bible, that's a sentence you need to underline, highlight, draw attention to. God is light and there is no darkness in him at all. So we are lying if we say we have fellowship with God, but go on living in spiritual darkness. We are not practicing the truth. But if we are living in the light as God is in the light, then we have fellowship with each other and the blood of Jesus, his son, cleanses us from all sin. You see, we walk in the daytime. We walk metaphorically in the daytime where there is light because God is light. We've surrendered ourselves to Jesus Christ. We're part of that intimate relationship. And you can have camaraderie with friends at work, with friends on the ball team, with your neighborhood folks. You can be friends with those folks, but it will never be as deep, as caring, as passionate as those who are in the family of God that you're journeying with as well. You see, in the light, there is no deceit, there are no lies, there are no secrets, because we share our burdens together, we journey together, whether rejoicing or full of sorrow, we live life together because we're moving away from sin, closer to how God's called us to live. You think about a story in Luke chapter 22, and it's also in some of the other gospel accounts. Right after the last Passover meal that Jesus and the disciples have together, they go down to the olive grove outside of Jerusalem, and it's late at night. It's very dark. They begin to pray together. Jesus moves on to a different location by himself. He comes back, and the disciples are asleep. It's so late, they're used to being asleep. And so Jesus wakes them and says, Couldn't you pray for me for yet another hour? And in that moment, the mob comes up to arrest Jesus. Again, it's very dark. It's so dark that Judas actually has to kiss Jesus on the cheek so that the people making the arrest will know which one he is. 
They've come with torches and swords. Even in the anxiety of the moment, the excitement of the moment, Peter pulls out his own sword and he chops off the ear of one of the servants that have come with the high priest. And Jesus says, hold on, Peter, we're not about violence. Put your sword away. And he picks that ear up off the ground and he, in that moment, creates a miracle and replaces the servant's ear. And then he turns to those who would arrest him and he says, you know, I've been preaching and teaching at the temple every day. Why haven't you come then to talk to me about what your issue might be? But no, your hour is now when it's dark. You ever notice in your own life that temptation tends to knock when it's darkest for you? Maybe it's actually dark outside, it's nighttime, maybe it's a moment you're very tired or you're alone. See, that's when we seem to be susceptible to falling for what Satan has to throw at us. Anybody ever stub your toe at night when the lights are off? Anybody ever do that? Yeah, there's a wincing that happens that looks something like this. You get up maybe to get a drink of water and you hit your toe on the bedpost or a chair. It's one of those moments of pain where you don't feel it for about two seconds, right? And you know it's coming. And then it hits. Oh, that's so painful. It's kind of like the story of the the guy that went away on a business trip for about a week. And uh, his wife got kind of anxious in the moment. She decided to do some spring cleaning and in the bedroom moved a lot of the furniture around. She thought she'd try a different look. He said, look, I'll be back very late at night on Friday. Just go on to bed. I'll see you on Saturday morning. We'll talk about the trip. She goes to bed. He comes home very late, gets ready for bed in the dark, goes to lay down on the bed and falls flat on the floor because she moved the bed to a different location. (laughs) Spiritually speaking, we we would be like that operating in the dark, right? We're going to have moments where we stub our toe, we fall flat on our face because we're not living in the light like we're called here in John to do. He calls us to live in the light so that we don't have those accidents. There's a phrase in AA that says, you're only as sick as your secrets. We've got a great ministry here called Celebrate Recovery CR. Happens every Tuesday night just on the other side of this wall in the youth room. And it's a great place. If you're thinking about, man, I need to move forward in my life. I need to let go of some of the burden I've got. I need to decide how I can forgive myself or forgive someone else. It's a great place on Tuesday night to discover how to do just that. So you begin moving back toward the light. Moving back toward of operating during the day time. But not only operating in the daytime is important, we've got to agree that we are going to use the map as we journey together. We're going to use God's map. He's got it all set out for us. He's already discovered exactly how that should be, should look, how we will be most blessed as his creation if we simply follow what he's stated for us to do in the map. It's not necessarily the well-worn way of the crowd or or maybe even a particular fellowship that you grew up in. But we're going to make a decision that we're going to dig into the Word of God and we're going to see, really, what does it say? How am I called to live? How am I called to journey with you as well? I mean, look what John says in chapter 3 and verse 24. He says, those who obey God's commandments remain in fellowship with him and he with them. And we know he lives in us because the spirit he gave us lives in us. 
And so we imitate Jesus Christ, who we know in his ministry did the plan of what the Heavenly Father had in place, and it led all the way to the cross. So for you and I, that plan has been laid out as well. And we're called to live in the light and stay on the path, to use the map to discover how we are to go on this journey that we call life. Our fellowship with God and each other is contingent on whether we make a decision to live in the light and to stay on the path. And if God maybe at some point turned left and you turned right, don't be surprised if you feel like you're losing fellowship with God and with each other. I had a discussion with a close friend about three weeks ago, uh, and he was concerned. He we had a discussion, and he said, uh, I feel like, Tim, that maybe we're not friends anymore. You don't, we don't study together. We don't pray together. We don't talk about things uh, together. And I had to remind him. I said, listen, my, my cell phone number is the same. I've got the same office hours. I'm in the same place. I have not changed. If there's a change in the relationship, it's because you've made a decision to do something different. And sometimes in our life, we look around, and we wonder where God might be or where he has gone. And in fact, we are the ones who have moved away from the relationship. And we no longer have that deep abiding fellowship that we should with not only Jesus Christ, but with, with one another in the process. And this map doesn't only show us what God's laid out for us. It also reminds us how we are to travel together. How do we work one with another when we don't always see eye to eye on everything? The New Testament is full of this phrase called one another. And time after time after time, the New Testament writers remind us as the church how we are to operate. And it says that we're to pray for one another. We're to serve one another. We're to be compassionate toward one another. We're to love one another, encourage one another, forgive one another. And if you feel like you're, you're having a, a moment with another member of the family, so to speak, I would encourage you to take that one another phrase, pull it out, and put in someone's name. And it's a reminder of how we're to journey with one another in the spirit of Jesus Christ, staying in the light and staying on the path, but staying together. We've got to journey together because as we look forward on our journey, what we see is that we need to be prepared for the rough terrain that is coming up. There's difficult terrain in front of us that I'm going to need your help overcoming. You're going to need my help overcoming. But as we look ahead, we know that that Satan is going to throw obstacles in our way to pull us off the trail, so to speak, to pull us off the path into the woods, if you will. And there's going to be steep hills, there are going to be rocks, there are going to be creeks to jump across, there are going to be bugs, there are going to be snakes. Yes, stay on the path. He's going to throw everything your way to get you out of the light and off the path. And there are a couple of different problems that you and I deal with in life, some I call the easy problems. And that might be where somebody calls you a name or, or disrespect you in some way and you wish it wasn't like that, but you, know, you, can, you can move through that. But maybe there's something happens at your particular congregation that you didn't grow up doing it this way. It's not unbiblical, but it's different than the way maybe we used to do it. I can overcome that. And then there's the difficult things in life, and that might be the loss of a family member or a close friend. It could be a job loss. It could be health issues. 
It could be money problems. And Satan will do whatever it takes to get you out of relationship, to isolate you, to to put you off in a corner of the woods so that you're not in the light and you're not on the path with others who can help you through conflict and challenges that might come your way. James is the half-brother of Jesus, and he writes in the book of James, when trials come, not if trials come. Because you and I, if we haven't already figured it out, if we make a decision to be a disciple of Jesus Christ, there are going to be problems along the way. It's not going to be easy. We're going to have to face some things in life. And you and I, if we were to be real honest, we've all had mountaintop experiences and we've had valley experiences. You know, above that 12,000-foot tree line on any given mountain, a lot grows below that, not much grows above that. But when you're on that mountaintop experience, you can see the world in front of you. It's an incredible view, very beautiful, just breathtaking. But the lush growth happens in the, in the valley. And so when you find yourself in the valley, when those trials come, when, when desperate times happen, know that God is allowing you to grow your boundary He's taking you out of the comfort zone and placing you in a moment where you're going to be able to mature as a Christian, a follower of Christ. And so when we find ourselves in that moment, you and I have got to make sure that we've got family around us to help in that growth process. So where do you find your spiritual growth in life? Where do you find yourself reaping the benefit of expanding your boundaries and growing, spiritually speaking? Is it in a moment like this on a Sunday when we're praising God and lifting our voices, digging into the Word of God, gathering around the table of the Lord? Is it now that, that you feel, ah, oh, this, is, this is it? Maybe it's when you're serving other people on a mission trip or downtown Dallas or elsewhere, when you know that you can dig in alongside other members of the family and serve others knowing that you're not going to get anything from them in return. No, this is just outright being Jesus to people around. Maybe that's when you feel the most growth. Maybe it's when you walk into that connect group at someone's home and you're surrounded by 12 or 15 people. You dig into the word and practically discover how God wants you to live life and you reveal this issue, this thing going on in your life and that family gathers around you and lays hands on you and prays for you. Oh, that's when I feel empowered. That's when I feel the love of God in my life. That's when I feel I'm in the light. I'm on the path with others who also feel the same way. Maybe it's when you feel very dependent upon God, realizing I can't do this alone. I need Jesus Christ and his Holy Spirit in my life. I need you in my life. We're dependent on others on the journey as well. You see, the enemy wants to isolate us. He wants to coax us out of the light. He wants to tempt us to come off the path. But John reminds that first century church, and in doing so, reminds us today, stay in the light, stay on the path, stay on the path together. We're journeying together. We get great freedom in Christ when we make a decision. We are the most blessed we could ever be when we make a decision to live life just like that. And so you and I, the last thing is, we need to trust your guide. You and I need to trust our guide as we journey in life. It's so important that you and I understand that Jesus Christ is our guide. He is the one that has been before. 
Look what John says in 1 John chapter 2 and verse, verse 6. He says that we're called to live like Jesus. Live as Jesus did. The Greek word that John uses there is prodomos, and it means the one who has gone before. It's the one who's already been down this road, already been up this mountain, already understands how to navigate the terrain and what life is going to throw at you. And so we're called to simply follow Jesus Christ, to stay in the light and stay on the path together, following our guide in the process. In 1999, I took a youth group to Colorado and we hiked a mountain. We had two guides with us. These guys had... uh, just the minimal that they needed in their backpacks. They had two walking sticks, and they blazed a trail through the woods, through the forest for us. We had no clue what we were doing. (laughs) We're from Oklahoma. Now, don't put two and two together, but you know what I mean. (laughs) But these guides, they had already been there before. They knew exactly the trail to take through the woods. They knew which meadow that we should bed down in, pitch our tents, what time? Okay, it's time to, time to eat. Right now we're going to make our camp and we're going to fix dinner. They had already been through all of this. We would have been absolutely lost not knowing what to do, but we had our guides with us that told us exactly what we needed to do to survive. Jesus is our guide. He has already been down this road. He knows exactly what's going to bring you the most blessing in life, the most joy in life. He knows exactly how to conquer those things that you fear in your life. He is Prodomos. He's the one who's been before. He is the Son of God. He has been to the cross and back for you. He's conquered everything that's ever been thrown at him. I don't know about you, but I want to follow a guy who's already been down that road. I want to be a part of the life that he has to offer me. I want to be following the one who actually created the world and the path that we are on. He knows best. And when we make a decision to follow Jesus Christ, great things will happen in your life. Satan will lose his pull on you. It's not that he ever goes away. But you and I make a decision, a conscious decision every day. That God is enough, Jesus Christ has done enough, and so I'm going to follow my guide. I'm going to follow him with you by my side, and together we're going to get through this thing called life. And following Jesus Christ brings great blessing and great joy in life. And I want to be a little joyful and happy in this life. How about you? There's enough negative going on out there. I don't want to be a part of that, because that's where Satan That lion lives. He wants to get you off the path. You and I are called to be the family of God. And John says, stay in the light. Stay on the path. And stay on the path together. That's when you and I will have true fellowship with each other and with God the Father. I'm going to ask Brad and the praise team to come to the stage at this time. Our shepherds will be along the wall of this room with their wives as we begin to sing this song. And my guess is that some of us in here, maybe we've been journeying down that path and somewhere we got off a little bit and you're wanting to come back to what God has, has designed for you, the blessing he has for you. And let me encourage you to go as we sing this song, talk to our shepherds, let them lay hands on you, pray for you, pray over you and your family that you might find 
that you can let go of the burden that you've been hanging on to. That you can lay it at the foot of the cross. Jesus has said, lay your burden on me. I'm willing to carry that for you. But you've got to make the decision to come because I've already done everything that I can on my part. I don't know about you, but I want to be a part of the blessing that God has for me through his son, Jesus Christ. That's the invitation today. That's the encouragement today for you and I to get in the light and to get on the path together. Let's stand together and sing.